1: JD here, and this is a special episode of Meeting Malcolmus. and uh, today we are celebrating the life and the work of singer-songwriter-poet David Berman. We started off with a song off his latest release, Purple Mountains, called Darkness and Cold, and it really struck a chord with me with the second couplet in the chorus, which is conditions I'm wishing weren't taking control. Darkness and cold, darkness and cold. Rest in peace, David.
2: Canada! (laughs)
1: Okay, so that was Canada and uh, clearly I selected it because I'm Canadian and I need to hear geographical regions and tropes bantied about to form a song named after this great nation. Um, it's taken from the early times compilation that came out in 2012, which compiled all the material from before uh, dime Map of the Reef um, although there is uh, some content on Starlight Walker that makes the, uh, the record um, essentially it's really early years material and you know it's important to get the context of what we mean when we say early years when we're talking about the Silver Jews because um, a lot of people chalk them up and a lot of people discovered them via pavement uh, I'm one of those people for sure uh but it wasn't a pavement side project. In fact, in as early as 1989, Berman, Nostanovich, and Malcolmus were um, all alums of the University of Virginia living in New York and working at the Whitney were Malcolmus and Berman, and they started to track things out. This is concurrent with Malcolmus flying back to the West Coast and recording some of those early pavement sessions, some of those early four pavement sessions. So you know which which was the side project I, I don't know. Um, the, the people that Malcolmus were with more often were in and Berman clearly but make no mistake the silver Jews were Berman's uh, project. Um, the majority of the uh, early singing songwriting, Felt to Berman. Although one of the reasons I chose the track we just listened to was, I think it's a great example of a song that you can hear Malcolmus and um, Bob singing as well. And it's, it's joyous. I think oftentimes when it comes to dealing with death, um, it's easy to become introverted and focus on the relationship we have with an artist or a person, um, and we think about uh, memories that that are sad. With a with with somebody who is a writer and a poet like David Berman, it's so easy to track down snippets and content, just like I did with the first song that you know underscores the meaning that you're trying to derive from the death. And uh, oftentimes that is sad, and that sucks. This is an artist who left a a great swath of art across, uh, you know, the late 20th century, and we were really fortunate to have him come back 20 years into the 21st century and, you know, blow our minds again with uh, some really great material. So essentially this episode... I'm going to be playing some songs that resonate for me. Uh, I've got some emails that I can read that some listeners sent through. I'm going to read the New York Times, Obit, and I've got a great poem from David that I'd like to read as well. So that's um, what I hope to do. And uh, I'm real sorry for anybody out there that has a, a link with David that, uh, is, is, is now broken. And I, I hope that you can feel whole again soon. I spoke with Bob Nastanovich, um, about coming on today and, uh, he's simply not in a place to do that right now. So he declined politely, but, um, he did celebrate the idea of celebrating David. And we will do that. Let's go back now to the Starlight Walker record, the first record uh, proper that uh, was released prior, uh, post rather, the two first EPs. This is um, from that record. And I suppose I chose this initially... Uh, because it's so played on my playlist, and it's so played on my playlist because early on this was a bridge to the Silver Jews for me because of the Malcolmus influence and um, his vocal contributions in this song. But this is definitely a Silver Jews joint, and it's wonderful, along with everything else on Starlight Walker. This is Advice Message, to the Graduate on David Byrne and we'll get back David Berman, the reluctant songwriter and poet whose dry baritone and wry, wordy compositions anchored Silver Jews, a critically lauded staple of the 1990s indie rock scene, died on Wednesday. He was 52. His death was announced by his record label, Drag City, which released music by Silver Jews and Berman's latest band, Purple Mountain. In a statement on Thursday, Richard Berman, his father, said, Despite his difficulties, he always remained my special son. I will miss him more than he was able to realize. A law enforcement official who spoke on the condition of anonymity because he wasn't authorized to speak on the matter said that Berman was found on Wednesday in an apartment building in the Park Slope section of Brooklyn and pronounced dead on the scene. A spokesperson for the city's medical examiner said that Berman had hanged himself and ruled it as suicide. As the sole constant member of the Silver Jews, which sometimes included well-known musicians like Stephen Malcolmus of Pavement, Berman released six albums using the band name, beginning with Starlight Walker in 1994 and continuing through Lookout Mountain, Lookout Sea in 2008, before disbanding the group the next year. Berman's association with Pavement He had founded Silver Jews in 1989 with Malcolmus, once a fellow student at the University of Virginia. Brought him a certain level of underground fame in the early 1990s. He also earned the respect of critics who saw Berman as a rare poetic voice in the snarky, noisy world of 90s rock. Rolling Stone once called him a wandering, honky-tonk bard murmuring feverish, fractured one-liners in his handsome country rock drawl. In time... Berman came to be nearly as well known as a poet. His book, Actual Air, published in 1999, became a minor hit. I couldn't rock out harder than everybody, or overpower people with mastery like Jack White of the White Stripes, so why try, Berman said in an interview with the New York Times in 2005. That's why I've always worked harder on words. He also explained the genesis of the band's name, a sign he spied from a window, that said silver jewelry but from my angle you couldn't see the end Berman's lyrics could be cryptic but with moments of black humor or tender clarity is the problem that we can't see or is it that the problem is beautiful to me he sang in We Are Real a song from the Silver Jews album American Water the music website Pitchfork ranked American Water released in 1998 the 12th best record of that year calling it the pinnacle of a certain strain of indie rock, smart but unpolished, grounded but opaque, the down-home sound of Credence Clearwater Revival and the countryside of the Rolling Stones executed by college boys raised on punk. David Craig Berman was born in Williamsburg, Virginia on January 4, 1967. His mother, a homemaker, became a schoolteacher after his parents divorced when he was seven. His father, Richard Berman, was a labor lawyer for the United States Chamber of Commerce who went on to become a high-powered and widely feared lobbyist for the tobacco, oil, and soft drink industries and would later serve as a foil in Berman's songwriting and other creative pursuits. My father is a despicable man, Berman wrote in 2009 while announcing that he was disbanding the silver Jews, citing his father's attacks on environmentalists and unions. Berman described their estrangement and how it led to his search for meaning in Judaism and away from music. There needs to be something more, he wrote. I'll see what that might be. Berman, who was open about his struggles with drugs, alcohol, and depression, was often referred to as reclusive. He had all but resisted touring until 2005, long after his band's creative peak. But he had recently resurfaced publicly. Purple Mountains released a debut album simply called Purple Mountains last month, and the band was scheduled to begin touring on Saturday. Drag City called those shows a potentially once-in-a-lifetime experience. Speaking to The Ringer last month, Berman was typically self-effacing about his return to music. I'm not convinced I have fans, he said. In my whole life, I've had maybe ten people who have told me how much my music means to them. But, referring to his own elusiveness, he added that he had come to take pride in the fact that I can walk away from things. My willingness to walk away has protected me, I realize that now, Berman said. I found the power in not composing. I found a shadow side that I can be in dialogue with. No is always on the table. There is some magic in working with the negative. That's from the New York Times, August 7th edition. The obit of David Berman, written by Joe Coscarelli and Ben Cicero. In
2: 1984, I was hospitalized for approaching perfection. Slowly screwing my way across Europe. They had to make a correction. Broken and smoking way. I tell you they make it so you can't shake hands When they make your hands shake I know you like to line dance Everything's so democratic and cool But baby there's no guidance I've crossed the wrong rivers And walked down All the wrong halls But nothing can change The fact that we Used to share a bed That's why it scared me so When you turned to me And said Yeah, you look like Someone Yeah, you look like someone who up and left me low Boy, you look like someone Before I go I've got to ask you dear About that tan line On your ring finger No one should have Two lives
1: That is the first track off of DC 149, American Water, the Silver Jew's masterpiece from 1998. It's JD here, and today we are celebrating the life of David Berman of Silver Jew's and Purple Mountains fame. Of course, he was... a uh, known for more than just singing and songwriting he was a published poet uh, releasing Actual Air and The Portable February and um, I can't believe that uh, he's gone it was so strange getting the message from my friend the other night through Facebook Messenger and it it simply read David Berman is dead and i responded back that's impossible that can't can't be i'm going to see him next month august 27th i'm going to see him at least palace i've had tickets for months i'm so selfish i wasn't thinking about the other people that could be hurting at that moment i was just incredulous and i felt very alone i relate to david in many ways He and I both share uh, the same illness. We suffer from treatment-resistant depression. Uh, David had a checkered past with drugs as well. His recent Ask Me Anything, though, indicated that he had been clean for the better part of 10 years from cocaine and heroin. I reached out uh, via Twitter and Facebook to see if anybody wanted to share any memories and I did receive some responses and I'd like to share those with you now this comes from this comes from Josh and Josh says I loved his wit when my space was a thing people would be the song that would automatically start playing when you went to my page quote so if you don't want me I promise not to linger. But before I go, I gotta ask you, dear, about the tan line on your Say
0: goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durban Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off. My Rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.
1: ...finger might be my favorite lyric in any song by any artist, and I've sung it in my head several times a week for years. The Purple Mountains album has been devastating to hear today. Stay strong, JD. Josh. This comes from Timothy, and... Um, he uh, shares uh, a link to a Twitter page, and the precursor to the actual story is seven years ago I was about to go into the hospital for detox after a really rough few years. I was scared and isolated. I sent an email to David in the dark. His response truly helped me, and I will always carry it with me. Thanks DCB. And then what follows is the email. I printed it out. It's on very small print. So bear with me as I read this email that was sent from David. Tim, are you detoxing? After detoxing, are you going into a rehab program? Assuming you are, you're going to start hearing the language of AA, certain phrases and proverbs that are fairly universal in recovery. Some of these will make sense to you. Some won't. Some of what you hear will bug you. People might bug you. You may be irritable. There will be ups and downs. My best advice would be to go along with the program. Some of what you hear will be unhelpful. Some will only seem unhelpful, indicating a place where you're resistant to what you really need to hear. It takes a while, so don't draw any conclusions. Stay open. Don't look at other people in the program and define them as being way more fucked up than you are. I'd advise you just go along as if you were in the army. There isn't any chance that you'll be brainwashed or asked to commit to a lifetime of fellowship with nervous coffee swillers. One of the things you'll hear is take what you need and leave the rest. That will happen naturally. You'll hear someone say something that really connects. Write it down and remember it. Part of what helps you is helping others, breaking down your selfishness. So listen to everything, even if it doesn't seem to apply to you. If you do this right, you'll have times down the road where you'll be advising someone who has no idea what to do. One of the really, one of the biggest problems is really accepting that you can't drink again. It's impossible to imagine life without This sense of impossibility is where the phrase one day at a time is supposed to come back. It's like someone has brought in all the food you're going to eat in the next year. It's filling up the room, piled high to the ceiling, and after being told you'll be consuming all of it, a certain feeling of despair is natural. At that point, you need to remember that you've eaten many rooms full of food. Our relationship to the present doesn't call for imagining 30,000 barren days of no drinking. And what you do, imagine your future. And when you do imagine your future, and when you do imagine your future that way, you're leaving out some very important things you cannot know. All of the good things that will fill up those days, things that are completely blind to you. Now you're leaving out the new people you're going to meet and know. You're leaving in your drinking companions, a lot of whom you'll not be seeing much of. If you can move to a new town or a new part of town, you should. After you discover, much of what you had in common is gone. The good thing, when you get sober, you're going to start appreciating things you've been completely numb to. You'll be raw, like a newborn. Your senses will come alive. Emotions will resurface. You'll have to relearn things. You learned how to do drunk. Be patient with your new incapability, incapacities, usually things like socializing. It takes a long time for your brain to heal. The way you feel for those first six months or that first year is not the end state. That's why you don't draw conclusions like, this. so this is how it's going to be from now on? That kind of thinking is going to make you miserable and it will make you relapse. Your brain has stopped making certain chemicals because you've been binging. You've been bringing them in from the outside. Those areas come back online, but it takes a while. So there's a lot of depression at first, but you can outlast it. For me, there was a lot of life to be explored, much like the first time as an adult. One beautiful thing was reintroducing myself to the morning, which was like a foreign country to me. How quiet the world was. The clarity of waking up and not being sick. Having all the money I wasn't spending made me feel like I had gotten a raise. The best was how, for about a year, every time I saw a cop car, I'd feel the old terror and then slowly realize, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not intoxicated. I'm not in possession of any illegal substances. In fact, that guy can't do anything to me, can't do anything to me at all as long as I stop at the lights and observe the speed limit. I loved how that shot of fear instantly melted into an unassailable, inviolatable that I'd never experienced. Inviolatability that I'd never experienced. I'm just another citizen living within my rights. I'm not trying to get away with anything. What a sense of well-being that gave me, that stretches out to relationships. You're not lying to anyone. You're not trying to put one over. You're not hurting anyone. But it's tough for the first few months. Just remember that you're not experiencing sobriety until six to nine months or years past. The real benefits don't start until after that. So the way you feel now is not the real deal. People who relapse are ones who haven't figured this out. They want quick. They want quick results, but it doesn't work that way. I just kept my mind on a couple of sober friends thinking about how happy and congenial they were. Happier than they were before, they were addicts even. That's why you'll hear sober people say they're glad they became addicts. It's because there's something about sobriety that makes a person better, kinder, and smarter than the people who never had a problem in the first place. They're stronger, tougher, humbler, more compassionate, more aware, more reliable, and on and on. But my number one piece of advice is don't think about giving in until years passed. Right off the next year is recovery time. Don't worry about career Romantic Achievements Just put your life up on the blocks Give yourself a year to heal Before you draw any conclusions DCB Thanks for sharing that Tim And uh, sorry for messing up As many times as I did The writing was really small I've got another email here From Richard Stevenson JD It's been a shit week Firstly, something happened at my work that's going to take a lot of my bandwidth in the next couple of weeks, or to put it another way, I might not make it out the other side. Secondly, my 13-year-old goddaughter in France had to have a major operation at a very short notice. Thank God she's on the mend. Then Thursday, literally started with the news that we lost David. I've thought of a little else since, and even last night, I had the most vivid dream I've ever had that involved hanging out with the I won't elaborate, as it was so bizarre, but so David. I woke and was playing through horse-leg swastikas in my mind. David's art was special on so many levels, from the best lyrics I've ever heard, and sacrilege I think they might even edge out, SM, to the cartoons that are drawn with the innocence of a child, but the laugh-out-loud funny. I don't get art, but I get DCB. The man leaves a body of work that was in the main... That in the main was tragically overlooked. It hurts like hell to read that David said that maybe ten people had come to him over the years to say that, To say what the impact his music had on them. If anything good comes of this tragic situation, it's the hope that DCB's work gets credit its due. If there's any consolation David hasn't left me, his words and his outlook have subtly guided me over the last twenty years. Tonight, I will raise a glass and celebrate a life lived. In 27 years, I've drunk 50,000 beers. And they wash against me like a sea into a pier. That's from Richard. The next one comes from Jamie. And they say, On a hopeful note, I feel like DCB's work is most primed to be appreciated by present and future audiences. In the 90s, wrongfully pigeonholed as a pavement side project, the work was not able to satisfy the conditions of MTV's buzzworthy, buzzworthiness, even as the caliber of the lyrics outstripped any competitors. The work was done a similar disservice in this streaming world by being unavailable for so long, as much as I understand Drag City's logic for doing so. Berman's unforgettable slant, reimagining of our American landscape, is a perfect lens through which to view and analyze <laughs> our virtue gone to seed and my hope is that the words have an excellent chance to live infinitely jay lastly i want to share an excerpt from a note that i'm not sure i have permission to read the entirety of so i like i say i will just share this excerpt excerpt, and um it'll lead us into our next track When I got back into music upon moving to the Twin Cities, I cut my teeth nearly purely by learning silver Jews and pavement covers. I was recently back in Ohio and visited my great-grandmother, who was 100 years old. She asked me to play hymns on a guitar for her, but all I could pull off were pavement, silver Jews, and smog covers. So I played her, Death of an Air of Sorrows. And that's what we'll listen to right now, on this David Berman tribute episode
2: i wish i lived in the power and the light i wish it wasn't saturday night because i can't raise hell no i can't raise hell for two i wish i had a thousand bucks Wish I was the Royal trust, but mostly I wish, wish I was with you. When I was summoned to the phone, I knew in my bones that you had died alone. We've never been promised there'll be a tomorrow. So let's just call it the death of an air of sorrows. The death of an air of sorrows. I have not avoided certainty It has always just eluded me I wish I knew I wish I knew for true I wish I had a rhinestone suit I wish I had a new pair of boots But mostly I wish wish I was with you We'd never been promised there'll be a tomorrow So let's just call it the death of an air of sorrows The death of an air of sorrows
1: My life is almost over. That's a fact. Statistically derived, but simply true. I look into the mirror, but it's cracked. And so reflects two, three, or more that lack. Cohesion. Which one's goal shall I pursue? My life is almost over. That's a fact. In time remaining, luggage largely packed, Past boxed and crated, little left to do. I look into the mirror, but it's cracked. And won't be fixed, and always did refract. The one before it, into at least two. My life is almost over. That's a fact. But life cannot be lived in the abstract, and begs for certainty that it once knew. I look into the mirror, but it's cracked. I look away in search Of the exact, nights melt the shadow, shrinking from my view. I look into the mirror, but it's cracked. My life is almost over. That's my fact.
2: I take decaf coffee, two sugars and one cream. I don't see the use in staying up just to watch TV. I unplug all the neon Turn the ringer off the phone Throw my thoughts like tomahawks Into this world which I disown Because the pillow that I dream on Is the threshold of a kingdom Is the threshold of a world where I'm with you dark and snowy secret and it has to do with heaven and what looks like sleep is really hot for In my mind It makes me warm When I'm cold it Gets me up And it makes me walk It makes me question What I'm told Somewhere in a foggy atlas Look out mountain Look out sea First life takes time Then time takes life Now the next news up to me Because the pillow that I dream on Leads to some fantastic glory It's a threshold of a world I can't ignore Like time unspooled from heaven Did you find me sleeping in your doorway? Now I'm here for good I won't leave you anymore
1: That was My Pillow is the Threshold taken from the sixth and final studio record by Silver Jews. It was released uh, summertime of two thousand eight. It was toured on in one of the rare occurrences of getting to see Berman perform his songs live before the band was disassembled permanently in 2009. Today we are going to wrap up the celebration of David Berman's life with the opening track from the most recent release, Purple Mountains. It's a song called "That's Just the Way I Feel." And in many ways, This song is a really great calling card to what David was putting together with Purple Mountains and who he is and what he's been up to and the obstacles he's had to maneuver over this last 10 years to get this art into our hands. And uh, I'm thankful that he did. And I'm thankful that we have this record as uh, a testament to who he is and what he was about. And that we have six glorious records, a number of EPs, and B-sides to share and celebrate. I am dramatically underqualified to be speaking of the life of David Berman. Although, like I mentioned earlier, I do relate. And I want to leave you with that song that I mentioned, but I also want to leave with um, a thought that if you are experiencing suicidal ideation or... You're experiencing hopelessness that doesn't seem to go away. Seek help. Uh, There are people, there are lines out there, there are phone lines, there are people, there are services that um, are there to help you get through these real difficult moments. In 2016, My life was saved by my psychiatrist who sent me to a mental facility for the better part of 13 weeks. And um, it gets better. Like Berman says in that letter, there is hope. There can be hope. But this is a sickness, and it can eat away at you and take away from you all that is important in the blink of an eye. This is That's Just the Way I Feel by the late David Berman on Meeting Malcolmus, A Pavement puck.
2: Well, I don't like talking to myself, but someone's gotta say it, hell, I mean. Things have not been going well, it's time I think I finally fucked myself. You see, the life I live is sickening, I spent a decade playing chicken with a oblivion.